This is the morning after, the morning after Christmas. I think I have to announce that to you because weather-wise, it doesn't seem that way that this is the morning after, but it is. And I say that because there are some who may be watching this at another time that is not the morning after Christmas, but for those of us gathered here in this room, this is the morning after. I remember back in September, the image in social media of the character Elf with a big smile on his face and beneath him was a sign that said, 100 days until Christmas. And then in November, again, the same image and beneath him, 50 days till Christmas. Well, the sad news to all the children here today, it is now 365 days until Christmas. And so that countdown, it, it's really long. But this is the morning after. On a personal note, this coming Saturday, I think it's Saturday, I've thrown away my calendar so I don't know, but I think it's this coming, I will wake up and it will be the morning after my last day of serving you as this beautiful congregation. It's been my pleasure for 15 years to be the associate pastor here. I appreciate Pastor uh, Dr. David uh, Gary Fenton calling me years ago and was having lunch and describing a role that I knew was God's calling for my life and to bring my family and to be here these 15 years. But it'll be the morning after, and a new journey will begin for us. We're going to stay in the area, uh, so you'll, you haven't gotten rid of us yet. We're still going to be around, but grateful for the opportunity. This past Christmas season, during this season, Pastor David has beautifully led us through a series of sermons based out of Isaiah chapter 9. The, you shall call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah was a prophet who served in the nation of the northern kingdom and speaking to both kingdoms of the northern and southern kingdom of Israel in that period of time in which they were divided, but yet still somewhat connected. And his prophecies to them in those days, predicting a coming one, a coming Messiah, a coming one who would lead the nation. So they were assuming that everything was going to happen soon and that their nation would be able to be restored and flourish again with might and power. But yet the northern kingdom fell to a conquering foe and were scattered. A hundred years later, another prophet rose to the southern kingdom by the name of Jeremiah. And he, over a 40-year period, spoke to the people the word of the Lord that came through him to say to them that there will be those who will come and conquer us and carry us away in captivity. And the people did not believe it. They could not believe it, that God would allow a pagan outside army to come in and destroy and take away what they had. 
So they would not listen to his calls to repent and come, even though this was inevitable that it was going to happen. And it did. The city was destroyed, the temple destroyed, the best and the brightest of the people were carried away in captivity. Jeremiah was given the opportunity by that conquering army to travel with them and to live in luxury because he had spoken God's word truthfully. Jeremiah declined that and stayed there in Jerusalem. And he walked among that city. So this morning, we're going to turn to a passage in the Old Testament that Jeremiah, the words of Jeremiah, from the book of Lamentations. So I encourage you to turn with me to the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. And as you're turning there, let me just again say my thanks to Pastor David for his invitation to come and to preach today. As I said earlier, it's kind of dangerous to give someone their last Sunday the floor. I've got some things I need to say to some of you people. Uh, uh, But I appreciate him giving me this opportunity to be able to do this. But also another point of using this passage from Lamentations is that when I finished seminary with my master's degree back in 1983 and returned back to the state of Alabama, was ordained at my father's church down in Brent. And that first Sunday after my ordination, I preached and I used this passage this is not going to be the last sermon I ever preach, but I feel like, felt like this sermon or this passage would be one to come back to today for this message. And so Jeremiah walking through that city, focused upon all that was about him, begins in verse 17 by saying, My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my afflictions, my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul is continuously uh, remembers it and is bowed down within me. So there, Jeremiah, walking through the city, seeing the rubble of the city all around him listening to the rabble of the crowd that was, or the ones who were left behind. Their calls and complaints and their pleas and feeling within his own heart the very rumble of despair. He said, my soul is downcast within me. This past year, these past two years, have been difficult years for many of us, for all of us in many ways, and for some, much, much worse. And so over these past years, we walk through these days, and it's almost as if we're like Jeremiah, walking through the the rubble of a world that we once knew. And we hear the rabble of those who call out all kind of words to us, words of complaint, words of calling out of despair. And we feel that deep rumble 
within us. And we long for the image of Elf to have a sign beneath him that says, so many days until this dark night is over. And we long for there to be the morning after all that we're going through. Back in the glorious period of the 70s that some of us in this room had the pleasure to live in. You missed it if you didn't. There was, there was a series of disaster movies. Now, they weren't movies that were, that were necessarily disasters, but they were disaster movies. And some of you remember these. There was Airplane, or Airport, not Airplane. Airplane was a good movie. Airport, <laughs> Airport, Earthquake, The Towering Inferno. And probably the one that we all remember, of course, is The Poseidon Adventure. The Poseidon Adventure was a movie about a cruise ship on its final voyage going from New York to Athens. And on its way there, almost all the disaster movies all combined into one. There's an earthquake. There's this towering ship and a tsunami wave comes and turns the ship upside down, floating in the water. Most of the passengers and crew were killed in that, that tsunami wave. But there was a gathering of those survivors in a part of that ship. And a faith-challenged preacher, along with one of the lower-level employees of that ship worked together with a small group of that left those survivors to work their way up to what is now the top of the ship which is the hull that is now floating to work their way to a point in which they can find where they can reach salvation someone can reach come come through that area to save them and they were well you all who remember that movie? Remember the classic song from that movie, The Morning After. And the words were, there's got to be a morning after. If we can just hold on through the night, we have a chance to find the sunshine. Let's keep looking for the light. And there was that effort, the crawl of humanity seeking to find that place for the morning after. And that is the cry of this world today that walks through the rubble of this fallen, broken world, who listens to the rabble of a fallen human nature and feels within themselves that rumble of despair. And they cry out, seeking for the light, there's got to be a morning after. Corey ten Boom was a Dutch Christian who lived her family prior to World War II 
living there began to be a part of a group that helped save many Jewish people, hiding them within their home, helping them to find delivery. They were discovered, they were arrested, they were all sent to a concentration camp. Her entire family died. She alone survived. And for many years after that, she would tell her story. She was a prolific writer. And one of the phrases that Corey Ten Boom had was, you can look around at the world around you and be distressed. You can look within you and you can be depressed. Or you can look to God and be at rest. And Jeremiah as he walked through that rubble, as he felt the distress and everything else about him, he chose not to stay focused upon that. He says, my soul is downcast within me, but yet, but yet. If you look back in verse 21 of Jeremiah chapter 3, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So Jeremiah had that moment where he could focus upon that which is around him, but yet he chose not to focus. That was not his source for his life, but he looked to that which was more stable. He looked to that which held his life together. That was the hope that he had in the mercies of God. He knew that God had a plan. He did not know how that plan would unfold. He just trusted in what God would do. And so he focused his attention upon that which was stable for his life. He says, my hope is placed in this. It is because of the Lord's great mercies we are not consumed. He said, my hope is in that. This is what I will trust. It was 600 years later. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. And our soul felt its worth. Christ came. Christ was born. And we celebrate on Christmas the marvelous birth of our Savior Jesus Christ who came and lived and walked among us, truly God, truly man. And yet in that walking among us, he came for the purpose not to be served, but to seek and to save that which was lost. And so through the sinfulness of man working together with the sovereignty of God, he was crucified upon a cruel cross, and he died. And as he died, he took as the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God, all of our sin. He took our sin and he died upon that cross. And he gave the opportunity for us to receive that forgiveness that is provided by the cross. They took his body down. 
from that cross and they put it in a borrowed grave. Disciples and others who were following him now confused by what had happened, walking through that same city that Jeremiah had walked through, they walked through that and they felt that same rumble within their hearts and they gathered in the darkness of a Sabbath day and they wondered, will there ever be light again? Will there ever be that what we can gather and celebrate because what we had once trusted in The Jesus that we followed is dead, buried in a grave. But it was the morning after. The morning after this Sabbath day. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He was not there. He had broken down sin and death. He had destroyed the barrier that was between us and a holy, righteous God. Timothy Keller said that the gospel message for us today is that God is more holy than a legalist can bear, but he's more merciful than a humanist can conceive. It's God who has provided for us The victory over death, the victory over sin through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This message for us today, Christ is not here. Christ is risen. So Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And this, because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, is the morning after. Every day in Christ, every day in Christ is the morning after the darkness of our sin, is the morning after the darkness of the destruction of death upon humanity. It is the morning after in Jesus Christ. So the Advent gives to us the story of the coming of Christ. The crucifixion tells us of that sacrifice that he gave for us. The baptistry there symbolizes or gives to us the picture of his resurrection and that we now live in new life. Not to walk around looking at the rubble of this world around us. Not to listen to the rabble of the crowd about us or feel within us the rumble of the destruction and the misery of a fallen, broken world. But because of Jesus Christ, This is the morning after, the morning after the darkness.
this past year, one of our church members went through a long period, very sick, very sick. And every morning as I would have my time to read the scriptures and just have some time, I was reading through the Psalms. And every morning, a different Psalm would express my prayer on behalf of this this man. And it was amazing to me how that it just beautifully tracked his journey. I could go into detail, but it's, it's not necessary. Just how beautiful that was. So I encourage you, as you go through this next year, to look in the Psalms and do a search for the Psalms of mercy and just look at the words that speak that Jeremiah said, it is because of the Lord's great mercies we're not consumed. Let those be your prayer. In the dark moments of your life when you're challenged and you're tempted to look to what is around you and listen to what's about you and feel what's within you when your focus is going that way to turn your focus to the mercies of God and allow the word of God to speak. And here's one from Psalm 107. Psalm 107, beginning in verse 13, said, this is speaking of the nation of Israel when they were carried in captivity, when they were in bondage in Egypt, and they cried out for God to deliver them from their bondage in Egypt. These are the words that the psalmist spoke about that event, but it was, it is the word, the word these are the words that shadow what is going to come through Jesus Christ. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and shadow of death, burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. So these, this is what we have. We have God's wondrous mercy that he has provided for us. So we need not today live in the darkness of a world of destruction. But we can live our days today in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And we can live in that light. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with one another. We can walk in that light. We're not left at the cross. We're not left at the empty tomb. We are given a life to live flourishing, to live a life of joy, to live a life that is not focused upon that which is lost, but that which has been found in our hearts through Jesus Christ. And so he's given to us that hope, given to us that reason, given us to us that, that light to live each day. And just as each day, you do not rise and take in the breath that will last you for the whole day, we do not rise each morning and take in just 
all the mercy that God's going to give to us for the rest of our life. But each morning when we rise, we receive fresh mercies from God. They're never depleted. You go to bed at night, you think, I have depleted God's mercies for my life. I have gone through this day. I've called upon him all day. And tonight I go to bed, and I go to bed in this moment feeling depleted. You know as you go to, as you, your eyes close, you know tomorrow is the morning after. It's always in Christ, the morning after. His mercies are new every morning. And you can rise to live for him. As we come to a close of this time together, there's another passage that's very precious to me from Romans chapter 12 where Paul said, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Because of the great mercies of God that are new every morning, I appeal to you. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the perfect, what the will of God is, good, acceptable, and perfect. God's future shapes our present. Our present circumstances don't shape our future. What God has given to us, what God has for us, what we see from the the story of the Christ event, of his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, this gives to us in this present life the morning after. But there's one more. John, in the book of Revelation, has Jesus saying to us that we do not need to live in this darkness, but we live in the light. And we're looking. We're looking. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then verse 16, I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Early in the morning when you rise, you'll see There in the sky, it's actually the planet Venus, but we call it the morning star. And that morning star is that promise that another day is coming. And so the image of the morning star is used of that return of Christ. And so as we live in the light of this day, as we walk in the light of this day, as we walk and this is the morning after. We can see early now in that morning that promise. Christ has died. Christ, our Christ has come. Christ has died. 
Christ has risen and Christ will come again. There's a new morning coming. So I urge you, by the mercies of God, that are new every morning, that you walk in light of these mercies. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You can look around you, and you can be distressed. You can look within yourself and be depressed. Or you can look to Jesus, the light of this world, and be at rest. So to a world that cries out today, crawling for the light, searching for the light, who cries out in the present darkness of this world, there's got to be a morning after. We, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, can live in the light of that gospel, and we can confidently and clearly proclaim, this is the morning after. Let's pray.